How you guys doing tonight? Awesome. Yeah, it was just you, Mike. They they responded to me, so I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Thanks. Keep it up. Keep it up. Hey, Dean, what's up? <clears throat> Good to be here tonight, you guys. Love you, family. Uh, we are in the series called Love Shows Up. Love Shows Up. And I don't know if you know why we call it that, but it's because this season that we're in is all about Jesus showing up. And we know this, that uh, Jesus is love incarnate, right? He's, he came here to fill us with his love, to show us that God was willing to love us so much that he actually came down, wrapped himself in flesh. The word Emmanuel means God with us. And then he sacrificed his life. That's how much God loves us. So love showed up, guys. And and we've been walking through what that looks like. And today we're going to look at something that may seem a little outside of the box, but it's love shows up for the lost. You might be like, why are we talking about the lost? It's Christmas. Like, let's, let's, let's get on. I'm like, this is the reason why Jesus showed up is because we were lost. Once we were lost, but now we are found. He was willing to go out. He get, tells the parable in, in Luke chapter 15 for the one lost sheep. And so this is, this is the message that we're here. God showed up for us so that we could be found, right? That's, that's what this whole season is all about. That's what we're celebrating when we celebrate Christmas. <clears throat> now, Advent, this idea is all about arrival. That fact that Jesus did show up. That's what the, the, the idea of Advent means. And it makes me think about like, okay, arrival, that's great. How, how do we arrive when we show up places? Like some of you probably showed up here just out of habit tonight, right? Let's just be honest. That's, that's the case for some of us. Some of, some of you showed up and you planned a long time. And I just want to say, thank you. Like if you're new here, it took a lot of courage to walk in these doors. And we're grateful that you took the time, the effort, and the thought just to come and be with us tonight. That's amazing. But we, we often show up in different ways. Sometimes I show up and I'm at my best. Sometimes I show up and I'm less than my best. Anybody with me on that? Today, my schedule got changed a lot for a lot of different reasons. And I... I was here for a, uh, I added in an extra counseling session and then that pushed me late to my three o'clock. So I showed up to my three o'clock about 25 minutes late. And then I forgot about the fact that I had to be here at 345 to do run through. So I got about 20 or 30 minutes with, (laughs) with some people who showed up to be with me and I'm realizing, okay, I arrived a certain way for those people today <laughs> that probably was less than stellar. But it's like, you know, how do we show up into the situations that we find ourselves? Uh, and and, and I, th- I think that's just a, a question I want to start with. And, and part of it is, you know, when you show up to something, it's often because you're, you're thinking about it, you're expecting it, you're motivated to it. How many of you have been to like a football game and you came up decked out, like, totally ready. Okay. Awesome. 
Okay, so it's because you were, you, were, you, were, you were motivated to be there. You put in the time and the effort. You planned for it. You were thinking about it. You're, you're actually probably, some of you, if you actually showed up to a game like painted, you may have been a lifelong fan of that team. Is that right? Yeah. So you've put a lot of energy and effort into that. And when we're thinking about how we arrive when it comes to our our faith in Jesus. How do we arrive day in and day out? I'm thinking like, what, are, what actually motivates us to show up? What, what is that that does that? Jesus showed up, right? He showed up like a guy who, or, or a gal, like Kavina, she, she raised her hand. I'm sorry to out you. Showed up like a person that painted their face and showed up at a football game, all in. And sometimes we, we show up, not all in like 30 minutes late, and then we leave 15 minutes early. <laughs> so that's, that's the question. What, what motivates you to show up? That's, that's my question here today. Yeah, what, getting closer to loving Jesus. I love that. Well, I, I, you guys have heard me talk about, I'm not in the best Spartan shape right now, but you heard me talk about Spartan races. Uh, I, I love running the races. I tr- was training, I've talked to you about how I was training for an ultra beast in 2019 into 2020 and COVID hit. Uh, and it, it killed my motivation, right? I, I went from running 24 miles uh, to running 17 miles to 15 miles to 12 miles to eight miles. It's, it's like motivation got killed. But what motivated me to sign up for the race in the first part? You know what motivated me? If you finish an ultra beast, you get a belt buckle that's like that big. <laughs> Did you know? And you know what? I've got family members who can ride bulls, uh, but not me. So I'm like, I'm not going to run one of those. And so if the only way I'm going to get a belt buckle that's that big is if I go run a Spartan ultra beast. I'll tell you what, that was, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's probably better motivations to do something, but you know, that's something, that's, that's a motivation. And so I want to talk into uh, what motivate, what, sh- what, what, what actually can motivate us, what can change us to show up like our Lord showed up for us. Specifically, what, what will motivate us to show up for others. And, and so let's read a scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. It says this, do you not know that in a race, All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. What is motivating Paul? What is it? It's the last word up there right now, guys. What's motivating him? Yeah, buddy. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same game as Paul. You know, it's like, there's a prize and that is what, motivates us to get out there. Okay, what is our price? Jesus, eternal life, heaven. 
That's good answers, guys. Those are really great answers. I'm just wondering, is it the right answer? That's what I've always thought about this passage. And then, uh, I don't know, several months ago, I went and, and I, I, listened, I went to another church. I heard the pastor speak on this passage and it got me wondering, what in the world is the price? What is supposed to motivate us? Because the prize is motivating, but is heaven it? Well, let, me, let me just put up a, a, a couple things that this specific scripture says. It says, only one gets the prize first off. Let's throw that slide up there. Is it up there? Put that next slide up there. <clears throat> Maybe it's not on there. Okay, only one gets the prize. You have to go into strict training to get it. And then you strike a blow to your body to get it. And then you make your body your slave to get it. Okay? Just think about that. Only one gets it. You got to go into strict training, strike a blow, and make it your slave. Let me ask you, do you have to do those things to earn heaven? Okay. Okay. Just, just want to read Ephesians 2, 8, 9 for you. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. You do not have to beat your body, make it your slave and go into strict training to receive eternal life. Some of you may need to just stop right there and that's all you need to hear for the night. Okay, that is the gospel. That's what we're here to celebrate tonight. Jesus came to earth. While we were still sinners, he died for us. You didn't have to earn it, okay? <clears throat> so if, but if, if that isn't the prize, what is the prize? You guys curious, even a little bit? You with me? Yeah? Okay. <clears throat> well, I looked through the passage. And so let's look through this together. 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 2, it says this, or chapter 9. It's not chapter 9 and chapter 2. It's chapter 9, verse 2. And it says this, even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. What's an apostle? Somebody who spreads the word. It literally means one who's sent. One who's sent to who? There's, yeah, whoever, but it's got to be people. You're not sent God does not send messengers to a rock, right? He, he, sends, he sends messengers to people so they can hear the word. And then it says, for you, he's talking to the church. What's church code for? People, right? So for you are the seal of my apostleship in the, in the, in the Lord. So he's been sent to people. His, he's approved as an apostle by the people, right? And then let, let's keep going in verses three through 18. I don't have time to read them because I had to cut that part out, but he's, he's talking about how in, in chapter eight, he's, willing, he's asking them to give up rights for one another because that's what you do when love shows up. You give up yourself. And he goes and he says, hey, guess what? I'm doing that already for you guys because I'm an apostle. I have certain rights. I have certain honors. I'm willing to lay those down for you. So he's saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and put myself out as an example. And so he's willing to, he's, he's sent to the people. He's approved by the people. He's laying down his rights 
for the people. And then chapters or chapter nine, verses 19 through 23, it says this, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself have not under the law so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God, God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I I may share in its blessings. What does Paul say he's winning? I become all things to all men in order to do what? Save some what? (laughs) People, okay? So, So he's sent to the people, He's been approved by the people. He's laying down his rights for the people so that he can win more people. And the prize is heaven. <laughs> I thought I was, I thought I may be skating on thin ice, uh, maybe a heretic. So I was like, okay, is, is it something other than heaven? First Thessalonians 2.19 proved it for me. And it says this, for what is our, our hope or our joy or our crown in which we'll glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. What's he say? It's, it's not you. It's not you. If, if I was just going to ask you before you read this, this verse, what's your joy, your hope, and your crown? Wouldn't we have said the exact same things that were just said in the crown? It's Jesus. It's heaven. It's eternal life. Like it's, we, you're supposed to say the good church answer of Jesus. And he's saying, no, my, my crown, which in that day, you know, the Olympics, they would, they would put instead of a gold medal, you'd have a wreath. That's, that's what that word literally means. So the gold medal for Paul is people. What's the price? People, people are the prize. That's what... We're getting to here. That's what we're getting to here. So <clears throat> did I say heaven is not a prize first off? No. Heck, heaven is an amazing prize, isn't it? It's just that it's not a prize. It's a present. It's a gift. We're here for Christmas. We got gifts. It's, it's not a prize. We don't have to earn it. We're given that. It's an awesome thing. But you don't have to earn it. Now, The other piece about heaven is that it's way far off. If I told you, you had to train for a race that's going to happen in 20 years, how hard would you train right now? Yeah, I'm going to go eat some Fritos, okay? Uh, I I got some chocolate I really want to get to. This level of competition that Paul's talking about is Olympic level athlete sort of competition. Do you know how hard you have to train to be an Olympic level athlete? Are we that motivated in our faith? We're we're just straight up not going to be that motivated. If heaven is our prize, are we thinking that? First of all, you already know the gospel, so you know you don't have to earn it. So you're like, I don't even believe what what you thought this said. And then the other thing is, it's just too far off. 
Like, and if you're going to be motivated to do something, you got to be motivated to do it right now or it will never happen. And the beautiful thing is that people actually give that to us. You start getting in the lives of other people. Do you know that you can't control other people? Did you know that? How many of you just found that out right now? Okay. <laughs> if you're married, you're a liar. Okay. It's like, we, we, we just, when you start loving people like Jesus, love shows up, right? When you start doing that, you're either going, it's either going to drive you to drinking or it's going to drive you to your knees. <laughs> it's like one or the other, because this is, this is the thing that actually motivates us to ourselves. Because Paul talks about how he doesn't want to be disqualified for the prize. He's like, this actually motivates us to live our faith when we get into the lives of the people around them and we actually show up. It changes things. It changes actually changes us. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> that's, that's the thing is that Matthew 10, 39 says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That's how Jesus showed up. That's how he arrived on the scene. He was willing to give himself completely. And we're asking ourselves, how do we arrive? This is the sort of thing that we're being asked to do, to show up in such a way that we're actually laying down our life. And here's, here's what, I've been doing some reading about Advent and this season that we're, we're supposed to be thinking about the arrival, the birth of Jesus. What it actually is supposed to do for us is it's not only supposed to help us think about Jesus showing up 2,000 years ago, but it's also supposed to make us think about Jesus showing up a second time. And when he comes next time, it's not going to be as a baby, right? He's coming with a sword and he's coming on a horse and he's coming with fire and all this sort of thing. It's supposed to make us think like he's, he's coming back and he's arriving on the scene and people are either going to be, when it says only one gets the prize, they're either going to be owned by Jesus Christ that loves them or, or the enemy, right? One or the other. And it's like people's eternity is actually hanging in the balance. And that should literally motivate us. As we think about arrival and we think about Jesus' second coming, we, we got to actually say, I am willing to show up for my friends and my neighbors and my coworkers and those people that I just happen to run into all the time at the coffee shop and the grocery store, I got to show up for those people because God loves them that much. And he's calling me to love them that much. Here's, here's the problem. I don't love them that much, right? Isn't that one of the problems that we face? How do we overcome the fact that we don't actually love our neighbors as ourselves? Because I love myself a lot sometimes. You know, it's like... I can't help but think about all the ways in which I want to love myself. It's like, I want to eat all the time and I don't even care if you ever eat anything. So that's the honest truth. And how do we, how do we actually let ourselves be transformed in this way? I think we have to have a vision, a big vision, a big vision. Here's, here's God's vision of heaven. Revelation chapter seven, verses nine and 10. 
After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. I know a lot of you are good at math, but you couldn't even count them. From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. This is God's vision of heaven. Great multitudes from every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's what he wants. First Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Everyone to come to repentance. You know, part of what we need to change our hearts is a vision that's too big for us. We need a vision that's too big for us. How are you going to reach everyone in your circle? You got a plan for that? You got a strategy? No, you have no idea how you're going to reach everyone in your circle. You have no idea. Here's, here's the truth. We pray, we pray because our vision, it exceeds our abilities. That's why we pray. And I believe that's the only reason, the only way our hearts can be changed. Our hearts have to be changed and our hearts will not be changed until we start actually praying for the people in our life that don't know God, that are lost. Love shows up for the lost. Jesus showed up for the lost. We were lost. We're, he showed up for us then. And so I don't know if you got one of these, but this we handed out when you walked in the door. <clears throat> and it's a bookmark. If you're under 25, you, you, don't know what, you don't know what this is. You, don't, you know, it goes in a thing like this and you put it in there and then, you know, okay, yeah. I'm not, I'm not I'm, you know, I got a few years on a 25-year-old. So you can get a pin... <laughs> Thanks, Mike. You gave me a great illustration. And you can, you can, you don't, if you don't have a book, you can put this on a mirror. You know, you can, I, I put this in a cup with pins on it on my desk and there's 10 names. This, I should have got the one that's on my desk. This is literally back here. And it's got 10 names of people I know who don't know Jesus. And I pray for them every day. I pray for them at 10 o'clock at night though, when I'm going to bed. I don't know why I have it on my desk. Now, that's just a stream of thought right there. So, but put it somewhere that you can see it or in your Bible when you read it and pray for these every day. 10 names at 10 o'clock when you're going to bed, lift them up to the throne room of heaven. Imagine their faces. God will change you. God will change your heart because we, we can't love these people very well, but God will show us how. It's the only way it'll work. Are you guys with me? Would you you consider doing this? Yeah? Here's the other challenge I want to give you. I want you to actually pray. Just do this every day this week. 10 names, 10 o'clock. Write one down right now if you have a pen. Write one down there. You got one. 
Dave, I know just a few weeks ago preached about, and he, he gave a Frank list. Remember the Frank list? Right? Write some of those people right down on here, okay? And then get your 10 names. Invite at least one of them to Christmas Eve service next week. <laughs> but don't just invite any of them. Like, start praying for them every day. And I think about day three, four, five, God's going to show you which one to invite because you know what? He's been working on them before you showed up into their life. And he knows which one's ready. And he's going to align your heart with his heart. That's one of the things prayer does. And he's going to help you understand which one you need to invite. Maybe it's more than one, but will you, will you do that with me too? On my list, I invited one from my 10 today. I knew I was going to have to sit here and look at you guys in the face. No, actually, I didn't do it for that reason. I didn't even think about that. I just felt like it was a perfect moment that God gave me. And so I did it. So let's do that together. Bookmark. It's called a bookmark. Put it in your Bible. There you go. <clears throat> I'm going to invite the band up here. And I'm going to talk about uh, an image that Robert Marshall uh, gave me. And it's, uh, it's out of Revelation chapter 8, verse 5. And maybe I've talked about this. I can't remember if I did or not before, but he talks in Revelation, this vision that John is seeing of heaven is a vision where there's incense, uh, or there's incense coming to heaven. And, and the incense are the prayers of God's people. And God takes that incense and he actually captures it. He puts it in a container it's called a sensor, but I don't know what that is. So let's just call it a container. And then he takes that thing and he puts it on a shelf. And then in Revelation chapter eight, verse five, it actually tells us what God does with those, that incense, that, that, those prayers. Sometimes, you, do you, sometimes we feel like our prayers aren't doing anything. Is that, are you with me? Anybody else feel that? Well, let me tell you what happens when we pray. Revelation eight, five. Then the angels took the censer, the container, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. So it doesn't matter what you think is happening when you pray. What is actually happening is it may be on a shelf, but God is waiting for the moment which he's going to point at this angel and say, okay, it's time. Take that one down, put some fire from heaven, that's power, right? And throw that thing to earth and there's going to be crazy stuff that takes place. How many of you, when you think about your 10, is it going to take a literal earthquake again for them to come to know Christ? <laughs> well, guess what? He says it can happen, right? Rend the heavens, make the earth shake. Isaiah 64, some of, some of that stuff happens, right? So we want to see literal earth shaking. Literal earth shaking. God can move in ways that we don't even know. Now, God might be moving in your heart tonight. And I just want to close with prayer. But not just any prayer. We're actually wanting to close thinking about Ephesians 2, verse 8. How hard do we have to work for the prize? 
you know, prizes people. God's gift is eternal life. So we want to close out and remember that. You don't have to earn your salvation. What we're actually helping people understand is that they can receive God's gift, his life. Jesus came down and he gave himself up for us. So we're going to take communion to remember that, to cement that. And so if anybody doesn't have a communion cup, would you raise your hand? Nancy will get you taken care of. Let's, let's remember, Lord, just help us to put ourselves in a place where we can remember that you are God with us. Emmanuel, you actually came down in the flesh. Lord, thank you. So take your, your little cup. And if you're, if you're new here, this is open communion. You can take part in this. You don't have to be a member of our church. Take the top off and remember what this re- represents. This is the body of Christ, God in the flesh, broken for us so that we could have life. Let's remember him. Take off that second layer if you can. I can't. Um, (laughs) Got it. God's with me. So, we have to remember that Jesus Christ, he actually poured out his blood so that we could have life. He said he came to give life and life to the full. This is the pathway that he gave. And he's actually calling us to walk down the same path for others. If you try to find your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, we'll find it. Lord, we want to remember how you went ahead of us in this journey. Let's remember. Lord God, we thank you for showing up tonight. We thank you for showing up 2,000 years ago. Love showed up on the scene and changed everything. God, we're grateful for your love. Lord, we are tasting your love. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We don't have to earn it. It's a free gift. Lord, but I pray that you would motivate us by the people that we see in front of us. Lord, we would be willing to beat our bodies and make it our slave because we love people as much as you loved us, Lord. Change our hearts, Lord. We need that. Lord, we come to you and we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.